um, this is the one course that I ever um, tried to that I ever tried to get someone to open so that I could get in. I mean, I you know it's, it's the only time I've ever done that. So uh, it's really cool, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I consider him a mentor um, in terms of what he's done, and uh, so without further ado, Tim, welcome to the program. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. That you know that course isn't available anymore anymore. But once in a while, I get somebody emailing me asking for it. Uh, so it's funny, and somehow they find their way their way to me. But um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk about how we do podcasts as a business and how we make money with it, and answer any questions. You can ask me anything. You can ask me about how much money I make. You can ask me how much money uh, we made last week, last year, whatever. I I am an open book, so I'm very transparent about our business. There's no secrets here. It's just stuff you don't know yet. So whatever you know, whatever you want to ask, and your audience wants to ask me, I'm happy to answer the question. All right, that's fantastic. Well, I, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, Trader Income or, or Trader Interviews, and then kind of how you got started, and then we'll kind of dive into you know some nuts and bolts. Sure. So I was a, and I still am in some way, a, a Los Angeles police officer back in '98, and uh, I was a trading the markets before kind of day trading was even a term. So my shift at night was at 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. I was single, wasn't married, didn't have any kids at the time, so I didn't really have to sleep that much. So <laughs> I would trade stock from 6 a.m. in the morning until 1 in the afternoon, and then I'd go chase bad guys from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. And that's what I did all day, every day, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, I slept in on the weekends a little bit. And... I went to look for a website or a convention or some way that I could go find other traders to talk to because there wasn't a whole lot out there. I mean, there wasn't even Arden. And so there wasn't a convention, so I started a convention. And shortly thereafter that, I started the site Trader Interviews because I was interviewing traders about all kinds of things informally at these conventions. I'd talk to them in the hallways about how they found good stocks to trade and what they were doing. And I thought, you know, if I brought a recorder with me one of these days, I bet somebody else would be interested in this stuff too. This is good stuff. I'm, I'm hearing from these guys that make money in the markets. And so Trader Interviews was born initially as a free podcast. Uh, well, it wasn't even a podcast then. It's just as a free MP. I think I streamed it in like Windows Audio, Real Player. I mean, it was a total nightmare to get audio <laughs> online. You had to find, you know, it was like $6,000 a month for a gig of space on some server somewhere. It was just a total nightmare. Um, all that's gotten so much easier, obviously, but this is pre-iTunes, pre-any of that. And uh, so my big thing was, look, I'm just going to put these audios online. People can download them, and I'll collect email addresses, and someday down the road, I will sell something. It'll be, you know, I'll sell podcasts, I'll sell a course. I don't know, you know, what I will sell, but I'm going to monetize this some way because you know, as a trader, you're already kind of a capitalist pig in it for the money. And so my feeling has always been if it's worth doing and, you know, if you enjoy it and worth it's worth the work, then you should profit from that. That's just always my thing. Now, I give away a lot of free stuff too, but I'm, I'm kind of averse to free. I think most people give away too much free stuff before they start to sell something. And so my message to podcasters, and I'll shut up here in a second and let you jump in, but my message to podcasters is always, sell earlier than sooner. Even if it's just you take the best interview you've got or your best show and you don't put that into your podcast feed and you sell that. And even if you sell it five bucks, just put something on your website to sell and so you can start testing and start making some money and actually see some money going into your PayPal account. There's nothing like deposits into a PayPal account to get you motivated to do more. Now, I think that's an interesting uh, place to start and that's kind of that's counter, I think, to what I think most of us, most of us here, and probably even espouse. Um, let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I got some feedback. Dr. Keith says, "Yep, that's a fact. Um, that that's that, that that's right." So talk about the mindset for that a little bit. Monetize early, and I guess break that down a little bit for us. Instead of selling content, is that what you're you're asking? Okay. Yeah, okay, why would you say um, to do it early in the process rather than later? Especially podcast, and bloggers and podcasters for some reason have this idea that I need to give away the farm. I need to give away so much stuff that eventually 
people, when I do go sell something, people will be, so, they'll think, wow, I've gotten so much free stuff, their paid stuff must just be unbelievable. And you know what happens? People say, you know what? Their free stuff is so good, I'm not buying anything. That's what ends up happening. So I don't hear anybody saying this either. It drives me crazy. I get to conferences, you know, and I'm in a room, and people are like, I'm going to give content away for two years, stand up, and just pound my fists, going, you cannot do that. So I see this all the time where people give away a lot of free stuff. And I'm not saying free stuff is bad. There's ways to do it. We could talk about that. But what happens is that they wait too long and they do build an audience. People get so used to getting stuff for free that they just don't pay for anything, no matter how great your paid stuff is. But if you set the stage early on, and I, even if you have something for sale on your site that is an ebook or or theoretically it should be one of the things you hope to sell later. So if that's a podcast, if you want to do a premium podcast and sell a, a membership site that is a podcast, then you should have one podcast for sale. And you can set it up, you know, with eJunkie or some of these other ones that you do with or you just set up a you know just a PayPal um, buy cart. You know, that's the easiest thing to probably set up is just a buy button with PayPal. And when you set that standard immediately the moment somebody comes to your website, they see, oh, there's some free stuff here, and they have something for sale. Okay, this person makes money selling content. It's in their mind that, hey, I'm going to get some free stuff, but there are some things to sell here. There's some things to buy. And so that mindset is already there. They don't have to switch up later. And I hear it time and time again where people, you know, they give away a ton of free stuff for a year building their audience, and they think, okay, I have enough people now that I can sell something. And boom, all of a sudden their blog comments are full of hate mail from people going, I thought you were a nice guy. I thought you weren't going to sell me anything. <laughs> you know? and, and you're going to get that anyway when, when you have that. You know what you do to those comments? You delete them. Nobody comes into your house and tells you what you can do with your site. That's ridiculous. So you can have a conversation with those people too and explain why you're selling something. And look, I'm, not, I'm here to, to help people too, but this is a business. The ice cream store does not open for a year and give away free ice cream and then start to you know, sell ice cream a year from now once, every, once they've got enough people coming in for free ice cream. Nobody else does that. So I'm not sure where this idea comes from that bloggers and podcasters have to do that too. So that is a long way to say have something for sale from the beginning. Then you have that mindset and your audience understands that that's the mindset from the get-go. Yeah, and, and so now – so where does the – where do you develop the incentive to kind of get people to to get people to opt in? So I'm guessing you're still you're still going to kind of give them a little something to kind of get them into your marketing funnel, but you're yes. saying that once you get them into the marketing funnel, you want to start letting them know that this is not going to be you're not going to be Santa Claus for the rest of the time. Right. Absolutely. And here's how you do that. You set up something where you give away something to get them to opt in. That's very common, right? You give away an ebook, you give away a report. And by the way, it doesn't have to be an ebook. It can be a one-page something. I've had plenty of opt-in sites where I give away six things you need to do now to accomplish X, and it's a single page. And I say it's a one-page cheat sheet. Cheat sheet. I don't know where that word. I love the word cheat sheet, and so does everybody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you have a one-page cheat sheet, you have no excuse. You know, there's, you don't have to wait to have a 20-page ebook or a 50-page ebook to give something away. Okay, so that's the first thing. Give away a one-page cheat sheet with six, ten items on how to accomplish X, whatever it is in your industry. That's your carrot to get them to opt in. When they opt into our site at Trader Interviews, which is a paid podcast, the first email says, Hey, welcome to our email newsletter. You're going to get some great information here about how to trade the markets. But guess what? Once in a while, we are also going to ask if you want to buy something. Now, it, you know, I, make, I kind of make light of it in the email. I say, look, if, you know, if grandma's apple pie and America and capitalism isn't your thing and you're more of a communist, there's the unsubscribe button. And I'm very serious about that. If they are offended that they, I'm going to try to sell them something a week from now or two weeks from now and they don't like that, they can leave. And it's, it's, I, I get very few unsubscribes. I'm sure I get a couple to say, who is this guy? What does he think? But for the most part, I've set this, the tone. People understand that I'm going to give them some stuff to learn, but at the end of the day, too, I'm going to ask if they want to buy something. And if that offends them, they're welcome to unsubscribe right then and there. 
So my first email to them is, do you want to unsubscribe? I mean, essentially that's what it is. But I've also, I've also set the tone for what they're going to get from me. The expectation is there. So when they do get that first email, which I suggest is no later than about email four or five, when they get that email, it's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first email is, is welcome after they, uh, you know, I, I am full, all double opt-in. I'm a big believer in double opt-in email because I use kind of a modified double opt-in where when they click the confirmation link, it takes them to the site that gives them the content they asked for. So they're opting in and getting the content at the same time. And my feeling is if they can't even, you know, muster the strength to, to get in there and get the free thing that I offered, then I don't really want them on the list anyway. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, big believer in double opt-in. And then uh, I, I give them the free thing that they, they agreed to get when they opted in, maybe an article or two. And then by email four, I've already done tried to do the soft sell about becoming a member and talking about why I think they should become a member. Yeah, now, you know, I'm hearing a lot, and, and maybe it has to do with uh, – um, the influence of social media, people are talking about ratios, right? They're talking about the ratio between how many how many times you can actually give, you know, what's considered to be valuable content without asking versus when you ask, actually ask somebody for money. Now, do you actually work on some of those ratios or do you just kind of, of, of assume that when there's, when, there's, uh, when there's enough to sell that you sell? Yeah, that's interesting. For as much of a data-driven guy that I am, and I look at the numbers on open rates and click rates and everything, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants when it comes <laughs> to selling versus content. And I, I guess I just have a feeling like I, I, have a, I have a gut feel for how much is too much free and how much uh, is too much pounding. You know, I've, I've opted into websites where even I am like, man, this guy's hammering me, and I like opted in an hour ago, right? And I've gotten three emails a day since then. That's too much. I mean, we all have a feeling about what is too much. And so you have to, you don't want to go beyond what is your comfort level and your personality. But for most people, that comfort level is too, uh, too much free, and you need to push it a little bit. You need to get out of your comfort level a little bit and ask for the sale a little more. I think if, if you know, most people err on the side of not doing that. Right, right. No, I, I, I think you're right on that. And so when you do that, um, let's talk about that first, that first time, right? The first time you're going to ask, the first, they've opted in, and this is going to be the first email, whether it's a broadcast email or whether it's a follow-up email. How do you approach the subject? Are you talking about a straight direct marketing message, hey, here's how you're going to benefit from this, or are you trying to softly break them into this sale for the first time? Yeah, good question. So the, the, if we talk about email number four being the email where you're kind of going to open the door to the store, right? So email number four is usually a mention of uh, a free webinar or something that I'm going to be doing saying you're going to get some, because I love webinars as a, as a selling tool. I think it's fantastic, and you do too, obviously, because we're here on a webinar. But email four is the, hey, we're, I'm going to do a webinar, and, and my webinar to kind of open the door is this, it's called 20 Habits of Wealthy Traders. And I use that as a way to give good information, but it's an opening to the sales pitch as well. So e number, you know, I, if I'm going to give you kind of a general rule, and it, this may differ from industry to industry. You know, the, the industries where they're about making money or small business, obviously that's easier uh, to open that sales door than if you have like a pottery podcast or something mm -hmm. along those lines, which is tougher, a little bit tougher to make money, but you can definitely do it. So email number four is sign up for this webinar. It's going to be some great information. I'm also going to tell you about this great product I have that I think might be of interest to you. So I set them up. Like I'm very clear with expectations. I'm going to give you some good information and some educational stuff, but I'm also going to pitch you on this webinar. You know, don't, 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 you don't want to, uh, you know, I don't know if this is the right word, pussyfoot around a bit, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to kind of mm -hmm. soft step into that. Tell them what to expect. You'd be surprised how open people are to it if you just set the expectations every step of the way. Yeah, because I've heard I've heard two schools of thought on that. I've heard two schools that one school that you don't necessarily want to tell people everything, and you want to get them on there, 
and then and then other people have said pr- pretty much what you say. So obviously you're erring to the side of I want to let people know this is go- there's going to be some selling on this webinar rather yeah. than to just get them on the call. And here's why: because I'd rather have 50 people on the webinar who know I'm going to try to sell them something than 200 that don't. Because you know, in this era where we're all about followers and how many clicks did I get and how many, you know, how much, how much people love me, I don't give a crap about any of that. I care about how many time, how many sales I make at the end of the day. And maybe that sounds harsh. And, and Charles, I don't want to come off like just some just complete jerk, right? <laughs> no, I know it is what it money. is, right? Yeah. But you know, I, I am about getting people on my list who are are buyers. You know, I, I, this this goes back to your kind of your. You've got to change the mindset from how many people are on your email list. I don't care how many people are on my email list. I care about are they effective. I, I care so much about. I care so little about the total number on my email list that every 30 days, if you haven't clicked on a link or opened one of my emails, I delete you from the list. Right. I I don't right. care if I have 20,000 people on my list. I want 500 people that are so into what I've got that almost every time I send them something, they take action. That's the kind of list I want. Pure numbers mean nothing to me. Twitter followers mean nothing to me. It's, it's how many deposits are going into my PayPal account at the end of the day. And please, keep in mind, too, for your audience, I don't want to seem like I'm some guy that I'm, I'm here to sell you something and that's it. The free stuff I give away is good stuff. I mean, it's, it's helpful stuff. Um, but I, I'm, you know, it's all toward the end. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a business person, and so it's all, it's all done in a fashion that leads to the sale. And you're not going to convert 100%, of course. But I'd rather have, I'd rather set the expectations, and then when I do get to the pitch on the webinar, you, you got buyers on the line, not just people that are there for freebie stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting feedback. Um, friend of mine, Deborah, says you're being real. That's cool. Um, uh, mother friend Keith is saying freebie seekers don't pay the bills, and that that's that's true. So, I mean, you know, it's so true. I mean, I get people all the time. Hey, I got a hundred thousand people on my, you know, the follow me on Twitter. I get you know sixty blog comments. Cool. What did? How much did you make last month? Oh, I made about twelve bucks in AdSense. Well. <laughs> You know, I'll take money over love any day. Don't tell my wife. She's in the other room. She would kill me if she heard me say that. I think she's looking this way now. She's like, what's going on here? But it's, you know, it's true when it comes, you know, I, I'm, I'm not concerned about followers. I want, I'd rather have 12 that, lo- that like what I'm doing enough to, to, to invest in what I'm offering than 100 people that just like me because I give free stuff away. I know one of the things that when, when, you, when you say that, and I've looked at trader interviews a couple of times, what do you do to continue to provide, um, you, you know, the kind of value where people are going to continue to buy so that what you have in trader interviews or whatever the niche is, right, if somebody decides you're going to do right. a niche, it becomes a business rather than, you know, sort of a, a standalone thing that made money at one time and then doesn't make any money right. after a certain period of time. Yeah, and, and I think that's where it comes back into the idea that you need to build an audience before you sell something. And I would say you could start and launch a site tonight and have zero people subscribing to your podcast and zero people on your email list. I want to see that buy now button in the corner. You may not sell a thing for a while, but it's that expectation and it's that idea that you want to give everybody coming to the site and that is signing up for your list that, that it's available and this is the kind of business that you're in and the kind of website you're in. Because, and, and this all comes from the fact that, look, I tried the AdSense thing. I tried to go out and get a local advertiser to spend 250 bucks to have a banner on my site. And it's just, it's, it's, it's never going to pay the bills enough for, for, for the 99% of website owners out there. They will never have enough traffic to make the kind of money that Huffington Post does or the New York Times does. It's just impossible for us to compete that way. So let's not compete on advertising and AdSense. Get those ads off your site. If you're making less than about 1000 bucks a month on AdSense, get them off your site. You don't need them. It's going to detract from what you really want to do, which is sell your own product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the question – I'm sorry, Charles. Let's go back. So the question was, when do you kind of sell? Like when do you do – you, how do you know you have enough people to sell? Is that kind of – Well, I, I, th- I think the question is – 
you want a business so okay so you sell a product and you've sold that product in May of 2012 well okay now let's say it's October of 2014 and you've had a number of those people buy already right they're still on your list you know what do you do to then create something else right you know, that would be worthy of them spending more with you in that business yeah good question so I um with trader interviews, it's tough because we did a bunch of testing, and in the trading space, there's almost everything out in the trading space is purchased monthly. It's a data feed monthly. It's a, a, a trading room where you're in there during the market hours. It's a monthly charge of ninety right. bucks. Right. So I wanted to do something totally different. I said, uh, you know, I, I personally don't like to have a lot of monthly charges on my trading stuff. So let's. I said, what if we tried a lifetime membership? Let's let's have let's come up with some outrageous price and say you pay this, you get every podcast we ever do for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the first question is, all right. Well, you know, are you healthy? You know, are, are, what happens if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Yeah. And it's true, but I think you know once you have, we didn't do this until we had about a hundred podcast interviews in in the can in the library. So at the end of the day, it's like you know they realize I'm getting a lot of value for what's already in the library. If if I am a member for a couple of years and, and, and the site goes on for a couple of years, um, I'm going to get my value out of it. And am I realistically going to be listening to this podcast when I'm 95 years old or 30 <laughs> now? Probably not, right? So who's going to forget about the you know the subscription first, me or them? But they, the idea that they didn't have to worry about another monthly charge, that was huge. Now, the downside of that was, once you sell a lifetime membership to your site, where do you go from That's there? it. Right? That's I mean, it. I, they got a lifetime membership to the site. So the reason we did that is this. It was all very data-driven. For six months, we tested a monthly membership. And for another six, it took time. It takes time, um, but it's worth doing. For the next six months, we tested a quarterly membership and an annual together. And then after about nine months, so maybe it wasn't a total of six each, it was a kind of a combination of things. We tested the lifetime membership. When we did the monthly membership, we got the most members as monthly members, but they dropped off after about they drop four off. months. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I think our monthly membership was like forty bucks, and we kept people an average of four months. And in the trading space, that's not unusual. I mean, it's crazy. You think that other you know membership site memberships. I know a guy that does a wakeboarding site that he's got members that are like two years and his average is crazy because it's ten bucks a month. It's kinda or it's nine bucks a month. It's almost like one of those things you see on your credit card that you don't even bother looking into. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll go wakeboarding and I'll need that again at some point. But right. <laughs> so at four months at forty bucks, that's hundred and sixty dollars, right? The lifetime value of our customer was about hundred and sixty bucks. We sell a lifetime membership for $495. So even if they never buy a thing from us again, we made almost, well, almost three times as much money selling a lifetime membership at 500 bucks than we did doing a monthly membership at $40. So right. it was completely a dollars and cents thing, you know. You have to you have to take into account the people that are going to stick with you, how long they're going to stick, and can you make more money by doing a lifetime membership. Mm-hmm. Now, we did the lifetime membership to the podcast. There are certainly still other products we can do. We can come up with a course, uh, a trading course. Uh, we make a lot of money with affiliate marketing where we, we send out emails for other trading products that we uh, people we trust in the industry. So there's a lot of different ways you can make money even after you sell a lifetime membership to your site. Um, you know, a lifetime membership is something that probably, if there is something you need to wait a while for, that's probably it. Because you do have to build up a library of content so that they feel like, okay, if Tim gets hit by a bus tomorrow, mm-hmm. I still have enough value in the library that 500 bucks was worth it. And I think that's how most people look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like, Tim, you have to um, – and, and let, let's go back a little bit to, to that period of time. At what point did you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to commit – the trader interviews, because I think you, you probably, I think you alluded to a little while ago that, I mean, at some point you decide, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do in spite of all the other really cool things I could do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you, but you sort of have to. Would you say that this is something that you got to kind of commit to if you're going to sell content 
whether it's interview content or whatever the case is? Yeah, it does initially because you don't have a lot of content built up there and people expect it a little more frequently than once a month. That's all we've promised to our, to our members. We've got about 100 interviews in the can, in the library, that are evergreen, that are good trading interviews that you can listen to. It would take probably two weeks, 24 hours a day of listening to listen to all those interviews. Um, but now that I only have to do about one a month. And so it's not that much commitment anymore after mm -hmm. you get going. So when you first start, you may have to do one a week to get that library built up. Uh, and, and maybe just sell a monthly membership right now, or even just sell individual podcasts with PayPal buy now buttons, and or you know every fourth one is free, um, or half half of it is free. And you got to pay to get the second half of the interview. I mean, there's six thousand different ways you can slice it and dice it. I would say try all of them. Right. Uh, yeah, so after a while, you have this library built up, and then you don't have to work quite as hard anymore to keep it going. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit about um, let, let's talk about hard, hard. I mean, hard dollars. So that I want to I want to give everybody who's on the call and even people who are listening to the archive an idea of what's possible. Now I understand um, just from having worked uh, at the Mercantile Exchange that traders probably are going to be at the upper end of the income scale. I understand that number one. Mm -hmm. and number two, I also understand that this niche. Is in this niche is kind of individual, meaning that these guys want to buy education because it helps them make them better and gives them an edge. That being said, um, right. let's talk and about the, the dollars. To too. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. be the first to admit that I have an easier time selling a five hundred dollar product than most people. I'm very lucky in terms of the the niche that I'm in. So no question that you know my numbers don't translate to. Uh, you know, my mother's site who, you know, she literally sold workbooks for teachers. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a group, you know, that, that is not going to spend 500 bucks for a membership all the time. So, yes, I mean, you have to, it's not always apples to apples. So, yeah, that's good to mention up front. So now, in terms of dollars, what, let's talk about the monthly, talk about the quarterly, and then how did you come up with those numbers? Because I think, I think that's the other thing that's kind of a sticking point. You make a decision about what you're going to ask for content. Um, some people say you know, they're going to charge seven bucks for an interview. Other people say seventy. So, what did you decide on, and how did you come up with the numbers? So here's how we do it. We sell individual interviews for twenty-five dollars each, and the reason we make them expensive is because. We want them to, to look at the, at the annual and the lifetime membership and say, wow, if I just got the annual the membership, lifetime membership, that makes it's a lot cheaper to do it that way than it is to buy individual interviews. I also tell people that you are welcome to buy individual interviews all day long. I will credit you all of that money toward a, a annual or a lifetime membership if you decide to do it down the road. And I don't put a time frame on it. So technically, somebody could buy enough interviews to get a feel for what we do and then spend $500 in individual interviews, and I flip them over to an annual membership, and they mm -hmm. pay their first year already. So I make it risk-free, essentially, to buy an individual interview to test us out, to see if, if it's worth becoming a full member. Mm -hmm. The two price points – go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Mm -hmm. The two price points I have right now on the site are an annual membership for $500, $495, and a lifetime membership for $1,500, $1,499. But that's a little deceiving. Uh, there's tons of books out there that you can read about pricing and how you get something to look cheap even when it's expensive. And one of those things is you take an expensive product and you make something else outrageously expensive and put it next to it, right? <laughs> That, 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 that first thing doesn't look quite as expensive anymore. Right, right. So when we have a $1,500 lifetime membership next to a $499 annual membership, 500 bucks a year doesn't sound all that bad anymore. Plus, the other thing we do, and, and this is a caveat because we've done this in, in badly, I think, and we, need to, we could have done this better. Twice a year, we put the lifetime membership on sale for the one-year price. 
So we make the lifetime membership four ninety nine, and we get flooded with orders. Uh huh. Because for six months we built up the idea that a lifetime membership is fifteen hundred bucks. Right. And now we're putting it on sale for the one year price, and we get we get a ton of orders, and we make all of our money twice a year. Now the bad thing about that is we have trained our list and pretty much trained everybody that if you wait long enough, you'll get the annual. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. But we kind of early on thought, you know, if we sell a handful of lifetime memberships a month and we sell a ton of them when it goes on sale twice a year, we're okay with that. And if somebody comes to me and go, hey, I just bought the lifetime membership for 1500 bucks last month and now you're doing a sale, I refund their money and give that to them. Because $500 is still a lot of money. We're still making a good profit. And, and we're okay with that as being a lifetime member. So uh, if, if one of the mistakes I've made is I think I've made, I, we were too regular uh, and you know we did it around July 4th and around Christmas and, and people knew about it and he was on message boards even. Hey, you know, I'm thinking about joining Trader Interviews. What do you think? And, oh, just wait a few months. It's going on sale. That would drive me, that would drive me nuts. You know, I wanted to get on there and go, no, we're not. We're not doing this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we we did we do do it. So, but we still get enough people, and we still get enough people through our opt-ins and in the funnel that that we sell a lot of lifetime memberships at the annual price. Yeah, yeah, right on. Um, I got a question here from uh, Tracy Haynes out of Houston. He wants to know: um, are, are you are you using a particular website? Are you using WordPress? Are you having it built? Or how are you how are you managing the content on the site? Yeah. Uh, if we had to start over again, I would use WordPress and Wishlist Member. I think those two together are a pretty darn good fit. Um, and I know the guys from Wishlist Member. I don't get anything for telling you that. I just think they've got a good product. And, and WordPress is just kind of the de facto word, you know, website base these days that uh, you can find anybody to help you with, which is great. Unfortunately, we built this site years ago, and we haven't changed it a whole lot because we got it tuned down so well in terms of a funnel. We don't want to mess with any pixel on the damn page for fear that it's going <laughs> to reduce conversions. So right. it's, it's a PHP site. Thankfully, I have a brother who's a software engineer, and I can call him at 11 o'clock at night and say, change this button, and, and he doesn't beat me up too bad, and he, can, he does it. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it is, it is not WordPress, but we use a member, A-M-E-M-B-E-R.com, yeah. a member to um, run the membership side of it, and um, in terms of the podcast itself, we just use iTunes because iTunes, and not many people know this, allows you to uh, have premium podcast feeds in iTunes, so people subscribe to our premium podcast, and what they do is they put the username and password as part of the URL of the subscription of the feed, and it's almost like a, a, an individual feed, and so when you put that in, iTunes checks a member's database, is this person really a member? And if it's yes, they subscribe it, and only one person can be subscribed to that individual feed at one time. So um, iTunes is is great for that too. Not many people know you can do a premium podcast with iTunes. Now is now I'm going to go a little a little technical now. So this this particular um, this particular connection, but does that is that is that does that take place between a member? And iTunes, is that a plug-in you're buying with a member, or can you do that with all these other membership software, such as Wishlist Member, the other thing? Is that something that just worked particularly with uh, a member? Yeah, it's an, it, I think anybody can do it um, now these days. Back when we did it, a member was one of the only ones that did it. It's an automated email that comes from a member that tells them what their personal premium podcast feed is that they then go subscribe to in iTunes. So it's an A member thing. Just um, iTunes, and now we're getting a little bit beyond my pay grade. This is a question from my brother. <laughs> iTunes um, somehow knows if that username and password is the right one. I think it must hit. It must ping our database. It's the only way that, that, that they would know how to do that. But, right. And yeah. Then, um, and then yeah, and then they get subscribed within iTunes. But we also offer uh, it on the site itself, so you can listen to all of the. Um, Podcast right there on the site too. At, when you're logged in through a member on the site. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you when, when you decide, um, I, I noticed that you know for a while, and this is probably more with um, uh, when when you when you were doing interview income, you did a blog, 
and 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 what I, I guess this is probably more a question of mine. Um, how many other things do you do? I mean, are you really just trying to get the word out about the podcast and about the 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 the, the audio content, or are you doing all those other things? Are you blogging on a regular basis? Is that part of you know part of the promotion? If you had to start this today. How would you do some of the promotion and other things that are, uh, you know, socially related? Yeah, and I don't do nearly enough of that of, of Twitter and um, and Facebook, and we've tried some of that. But if I had to start today, blogging is certainly the way to do it because you attract attention, you do guest posts, uh, you get Twitter followers, you do a Facebook page. It, it's it's easier that way because it's free, and it's just you know, for most people starting out, they have more time than money. And at some point, you hope to have more money than time. But when you're first starting, you just put in the sweat equity of building the list. Hold on one second, Charles. I got to okay. close this window. The crows are going crazy. Oh, right. window. Wait a second. <laughs> oh man. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, so, I heard them. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. That was weird. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah. So these days, what I do is because I have enough list now that I can use it to trade messages. The best way I continue to grow the list now is I go out and find somebody who has a list in the trading space and say, "Let's do a kind of a list trade with each other." I don't give them the emails, but I say, "I will promote your webinar, and you promote my webinar to your list." And we go into an opt-in page, and I use, you know, I have them send their traffic to my opt-in page and they and I email my list about their opt-in page for their webinar and we grow our list that way. So I kind of siphon off their list and they siphon off mine. And so that's what's working best for us these days. Um, it's just faster. Which when you're starting out, you don't have a list to kind of trade with. So mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of forced to kind of do these guerrilla things to, you know, these guerrilla marketing tactics to kind of get these momentum going. It's not easy. Right. I, I will, uh, you know, it's hard, but there are things like a great, you know, a great image in iTunes and things like that that uh, that will help you kind of capitalize on, this, on another platform like a Facebook or a LinkedIn, you know, and Twitter and things like that. You have to put a lot of sweat equity in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Now I know that you had a you had, and, and I probably feel the same as you do. Um, you had a particular feeling about. Um, you know, the fact that audio would kind of always be there and that, you know, you could do video, but that, you know, you wanted to make sure that you kind of focus on getting audio to people. Do you still feel that way? Because I guess um, now, and, and you've probably heard that everybody's saying that you have to be doing video. Does that, how do you feel about that in terms of, again, selling the actual content is it is it still audio as a basis, or is it audio and video, or what do you think? Yeah, audio for me is still uh, the king. A because it's easier to create just with an audio file. Um, but I'm starting to do a little more video because uh, we have charts and things that are visual that people want to see. But in that case, you know, trading is a little bit different. I think for the vast majority of podcasters out there, they don't need to do video. It's a, it's a ton of work. And my feeling is always, yeah, you can always do the video where you've got the Skype guy camera on one side and he's on the other. And Andrew from Mixergy.com does a fantastic job of that. But for me, I just listen to his MP3s anyway. So right. you know, yeah. if, if you don't have a lot of time, which I don't, you know, I, I just stick with the audio because I just think two talking heads, seeing them, it's just not something I really need. And I, and, and I listen to most of my audio in the car. I listen to it when I'm running. And so I have a, you know, audio just fits my needs a little bit better. Obviously, if you've got something visual, if you've got a podcast about art, and you want to show art, you know, you've got to do video, or, or at least, you know, screenshot kind of videos with Camtasia or something like that. So I was, for me, it's audio, and I don't think anybody needs to do video to start out. What I have done to get on YouTube, and again, one of those kind of guerrilla marketing tactics that I used early on to build a list and build a following, was I would take an audio podcast, and then I would almost do it like a, almost like you were seeing those pop-up videos on VH1, right. where there are comments yep. about the video. 
So I would literally list as I'm listening back to the recorded interview, I was doing PowerPoint slides. And I was almost kind of like, you know, peanut gallery commenting on what we were talking about while we were doing the interview. So if we were talking about the stock market, I go, I would say something like, isn't it interesting how the stock market has gone crazy lately? Or just something like that. And then I would take those slides and then put that with the audio and make kind of a video that way. So it was almost like, what am I thinking about this interview is the video part while they're listening to the audio, if that makes sense. Um, no, that makes perfect sense. No, I, you know, yeah, I totally get it. Um, I, I got a question here from uh, from Marge. Marge is asking, um, and, and and I know you you go on this in particular in uh, in inter interview income, but uh, just maybe run down what you think. You, you know, if you had to kind of just give somebody, you know, ten minutes to go in the store and to get a mic and to get set up. Where, what would you send them to go get? What would you tell them if you had, they've got five minutes, they got to go in and get something. What would you tell them to uh, get? Yeah. yeah. I, I used to go crazy with this stuff, and I had, I still have in my garage now, though, Electro Voice mics, which are $250 each, uh, a, 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 what was called a digital hybrid, which connected the caller and my audio, and I was able to split them out. That was 600 bucks. You don't need any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> All you need to do a podcast these days is Skype or one of the other kind of audio calling features. I like Skype because it's ubiquitous. Everybody's got it. It's free. Skype and a program to record the Skype. So even if the other person isn't on Skype, you can still make the phone call through your Skype to their landline or cell phone and hit the record button and record it that way. So you don't need anything other than the laptop or computer itself. Maybe a headset, a good headset, that would be it, that you can have a microphone in. Like I'm just, you could probably tell there's a little bit of echo because I'm using just the microphone built into my MacBook Pro right now. Um, so if, you know, if all you have is a laptop, we're talking Skype. And if you have a Mac, I use Wiretap Pro. Right. Uh, and if you have a PC, I think it's called... Uh, Oh, come on now. What is it? Let me uh what to record? Maybe yeah, to record. uh maybe Pamela. You can use Pamela if you're going to record Skype. Pamela okay. works well and then there's something else called Power Grammo. I know I've used those. Pamela works great. Uh Marge. Okay, I'm not familiar with either of those, but the, if those are tools are great. I mean, Audacity I think even is a free now and it has the recording thing. Right. So it, That's you right. literally need nothing. It's it's super cheap to do these days. Yeah, and um, now she's asking about things like pop filters, and uh, if you have maybe um, a particular production quality tip that you were going to do if you were going to create this thing in order to sell. See, here's the thing, and and there are a lot of people out there that you know there there's some if you want now okay, I would say don't <laughs> worry about it when you're starting. The audio quality is good enough now with Skype and recording that you don't need to have all that stuff. If you want to go to the next level and you want radio or kind of, you know, high-end audio quality, then you can get the Electro Voice microphone with the pop filter that goes into a, you know, um, a Marantz recorder, a digital recorder of some sort. Um, you can get all that, but don't get bogged down in trying to figure out all the combinations of high-end audio equipment to buy. Put out just... You know, the Skype and the recorded stuff. It, you record it as an MP3 or a WAV file and then edit it in Audacity, which is free, and, and you know, mix it down to an MP3 file. You don't get bogged down too much in the audio in the audio stuff. It's just not that necessary unless maybe you're doing a podcast for high-end audio files who are going to notice. Yeah, no, that's cool. And, uh, man, Tim, it's uh, good, good gracious. Um, I've, I've kept you on 47 minutes, a little longer than I thought. Um, and, and and I've still got questions. Tell me this. Um, let, let's talk about a little bit about where this model um, is going now. Um, clearly, you still you're still confident um, that that it can still be done because you're still doing it. Um, what do you think is different about when you started in terms of where somebody has to start now in order to break in to develop the authority to start selling content? Where, where, where do you yeah. think, what do you think the difference would be now? I think 
there, there's certainly a lot of competition out there. So you want to find a niche that you feel like you have some authority in already. Um, and most everybody does. And it, so the niche can be very small. I think Charles in Interview Income, I had talked a long time ago about take your niche, slice it in half. Then take whatever that is left and slice it in half again. And then you're just about where you probably need to be in terms of your niche. I mean, you don't want to be so crazy small that your audience is three people, but you don't want it real wide either. Uh, because the more, the more wide your audience, the tougher it is going to be to sell to that audience. The more niche it is, the less it's kind of available out there in that area, the better time, the easier time you're going to is to, to sell. So I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just not to wait. Don't wait to have something to sell. You know, do three podcast interviews, your first three ever, take one of them and put it up on your site for sale. Put the other two for free. You know, have something for sale right away and, and build that expectation into what you're already doing. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It does, really. And, um, again, the, it, it still really comes back down to, um, you know, kind of understanding what audiences, what, what what they want. And I guess if, 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 if you develop because I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that developing a relationship for the sake of having a relationship is necessarily the thing. I'm guessing you've got to develop a kind of relationship where you understand what it is they need or, or how, what, right. how do you process exactly that? you know I guess there's this idea that I need to have a thousand listeners or a thousand emails before I have the authority to sell something. You have the authority to sell something right now. Don't let anybody tell you you don't. You know, if you, if I knew nothing about teaching a parrot how to do talking, and I researched the heck out of it, and I put up a website about it and, and wrote an ebook for my research, I'm I can sell that now. Don't let anybody tell you you have to wait and get so many Twitter followers and gets you know retweets from good people in the industry until I'm an authority now I can sell. <laughs> That's baloney. That is baloney. You, yeah. If you create good stuff, which you can probably do right now, you are an authority now, and don't wait for that. It's going to take a lot of hustle to to maybe develop that audience and have that opt-in page on your site and give away a one-page, you know, six tips or ten tips thing, a one-page cheat sheet. Don't use that word. Or use that word, please. Cheat sheet. People love cheat sheets. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you, know, you do that right away, and don't feel like. I, I'm not good enough yet, or I'm not a big enough name yet to do this. Baloney. You know, do, do it right from the beginnings. You are the the person who can do this right now, and you and maybe in some ways you fake it till you make it. But that's okay. If if you're if you have some knowledge and your your information is good, don't wait. Do it now. That's awesome. So Tim, tell us about um, the stuff you're doing right now, and then where folks can kind of take a look at all your stuff. Yes, yeah, so right. So here's the, the capitalist guy saying, "Don't I, I don't want to sell you anything, but I'll tell you about it. <laughs> this is free anyway. My, I have a site called After Offers. So at some point down the road, uh, when you're ready to monetize your site, our site helps people monetize their websites. It's free to use. It doesn't cost you a thing. Um, we get paid when you start to get paid. Basically, we put advertisers and your industry and your website together. And the way it works is that when you have an opt-in form, most people's opt-in forms with AWeber or Constant Contact or whatever they are, you sign up your name and email on their site, and it takes you to a confirmation page that says, hey, thanks for joining our email newsletter. Check back soon for great stuff. And we always thought that was a wasted opportunity. So after offers, what it does, we give you a line of code. You put it on that thank you page, and now your page says, hey, thanks for joining our newsletter. Here are some other things in the industry you might be interested in. And we put stuff on your thank you page that's not competitive to what you do. It's complimentary. So if you're uh, doing an art podcast, maybe this would be uh, another uh, a pottery supply house would put an ad on your thank you page. And when they click the box next to that pottery uh, supply house and uh, they put somebody puts in their name and email and that gets sent out to them, you make two bucks. And so the idea is to monetize your thank you page the moment somebody signs up for your list. Because if you're doing really well, maybe if I mean if you're doing really well, maybe ten percent of your site or ten percent right. of right. your subscribers will buy something from you. For most people it's like one percent. 
So we, just, we, we figured out a way we can monetize the other 99% right when people sign up. So that's all. Afteroffers.com, you can check it out. You can also email me through there. That's fine. That's fantastic. And then um, if people just kind of want to get a glimpse of what you're doing, they can just go to traderinterviews.com. They can, they can take a look at that. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you want to see how I sell to these people, put in your, <laughs> you're going to get an email from me, and I'm going to try and sell you something on you right now. <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to buy anything because you're just looking for how I market. So go to traderinterviews.com and sign up for our newsletter, and you'll see how I market to you. And, uh, you know, if it just gives you some ideas in your own industry how you can market to that, then, then good stuff. Wow, man, this is uh, this has been fantastic, Tim. I, I you know, um, thank you doesn't quite cover it, but um, I'm getting a lot of feedback. Um, this is good content. This has been great. Thank you, everybody is really um, liking it. Everybody, did you learn something today? If you learned something, just put a Y in the question box there and just let us know. Yeah, it's really been fantastic, Tim, because I think you know, again, all of these real solid practical nuts and bolts are very 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 important and it's, and it's all the stuff that you know nobody could tell you because you know you really just don't you really just don't know that know to ask so um so, and so, I, so I love talking you. about this stuff I could talk about it all day too so and if you've got questions that you don't want to ask now or they come up later my email address is tim at afteroffers.com I'll I, I write back to everybody who writes to me so if you have a question about an opt-in box or you know I might I, I could bore you to tears about that stuff. I love talking about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, everybody, this has been Tim Berkwin of uh, AfterOffers.com as well as TraderInterviews.com. If you're listening by archive, um, make sure that you are uh, again just kind of tuned in. And um, if you do not have local podcast mogul today. Okay, today it is it is seventy percent off. So if you if you haven't picked it up, you'll want to go ahead and pick it up today until midnight Pacific Standard Time. So if you're listening by archive, that's great. So everybody, uh, thank you very much for being here again, Tim, my man. Thank you so much for uh, for all this uh, fantastic, um, you know, just fantastic information and, uh, and and practical insight. Let us know what we can do for you, and we'll be happy to do that. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. Thanks for just letting me uh, banter on. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Have a great night and a pleasant tomorrow. Take care. <laughs>